0: Hi, everybody, welcome back to Talking in Stations. I'm your host, Rain, and I'm joined by Artemis doing engineering work in the background. She will not be talking much today, but I will still see if she has questions. We are joined by Rocket X to talk through the Wrecking Crew news that has happened over the last month. Rocket, would you give a brief info of yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. So, hi, everyone. So, Wrecking Crew, the group I'm part of and led and have led for a very long time, started out as a kind of low-sat hunting entity based in Derelict and Domain, which neighbors Providence. Over a period of time, probably about two years or so, we stepped up our aggression more and more and eventually block, so CBA and friends, collapsed, left the area, and then left the region empty. At that point, the coalition as a group took the region, and I've been kind of playing space manager for the last couple of years. Very recently, though, that's now changed.
0: So who's taken over in your place then?
1: Well, it's not a case of like me stepping out of it completely. It, it's more that the the old guard wrecking crew groups, so Few, Arton and HGP, that which were the original founding groups in RC, we had a kind of a lot of extra people that were around and took Provi with us. Those alliances really haven't been able to contribute in any meaningful way to the kind of like greater health of the coalition, not putting members in fleets, not contributing FCs to the front line but and it's just come to a point now where the kind of senior members took a a very very long time and a a large amount of effort to provide management decisions and kind of reinforce them strategically right down from kind of member management to looking at self-timers making sure their ADMs were up which is not kind of a level that kind of coalition leadership wanted to get involved in with any particular alliance we were in this situation we've been in this situation for a while the alliances have have been in that state for a variety of reasons pretty much that their original leaders that were around when we originally took providence have left the game one one chap had an accident at work and passed away his alliance was taken over by a caretaker leader that did a decent job, but we could never really fill his shoes, was a very good kind of bureaucratic leader, but wasn't really a kind of the inspirational figurehead slash content creator of his predecessor. Many other alliances have kind of undergone leadership changes, and a number of them have just ended up with caretaker leadership, basically, and just kept it ticking over. So it kind of got into that position. So we reached the point where the kind of senior executive level of RC didn't any longer want to babysit them for want of a better, a better way of putting it. So we've, we've got to the point now where it's like, okay, we'll reset them. They can do what they want, and then Wrecking Crew is back to the original three founding alliances. So it's less of a case of us stepping away and more of a case of the original alliances getting back together and going back to our roots, so to
0: speak. So are you guys moved away from Pravi then and are back originally now in Losec?
1: Well, I mean, we still hold some sovereignty in Providence anyway, and we don't really see that going anywhere. It's not really our mainstay, though. Realistically, Few and HDP and Arton as well have been based from Lowsec realistically, for a very long time anyway. Like Few has been living in the area since about 2012, so 11 years now. has even longer, has been based in Domain. So we're not really going anywhere. No one's moved anywhere. We did have a couple of random alliances, Wardeck is thinking that we would be evacuating to high sec for some reason. Despite the fact that, like, having lived in LowSEC for the last 10 years, none of us can actually go to high sec So we were a little confused as to what the kind of master plan was there. But, you know, some aren't the, uh, the sharpest tools in the toolbox, so to speak.
0: Alrighty. I know, I remember your original message, I think Artemis was showing it, around how you would... So, RC starting out as sort of like this hunting group, but you would not be hunting some of these former RC alliances.
1: I wouldn't go that far. I mean, we've not said that we won't hunt them because they know it's what we do. By being reset, they'll become targets for us and vice versa. We originally found content out of, of, of block, but we're not really going to continue that in the, in the same way as such. The general plan is just uh, to reset them and then let them exist. So it's not like we're going to roll in and take their solve or kick over their thoughts. I mean, we'd be capable of it if we wanted to, but we don't have any kind of interest in that kind of combat at the moment is something we've been doing i won't say against our will but it wasn't something that we it's something that we got into when we took Provi. that wasn't really something that we enjoy so it's something that we've been putting up with for the last two years pretty much whilst various other bits and pieces have happened within the coalition and around us so it's kind of more back to to doing the kind of hunting thing it's not really to say that, you know, that we won't come into conflict with some of these alliances down the road. There's been no obligation in that regard, but it's very much kind of just view and HGP walking away from its responsibilities of defending the rest of the coalition. We you know, we will of course shoot them and treat them as any other neutral, but it just means that we're not going to go kicking them out. And they're free now to either form a coalition of their own, pursue diplomatic ties with, you know, an Imperium fire, although is probably not too likely right now given the news over the last twenty four hours. Or even form their own little coalition and go at it themselves. Generally, the you know that that's pretty much the latter is pretty much what's taken place. A couple of of uh, those alliances have picked up a fair number of systems that were dropped by others exiting the region, and pretty much got one alliance broadly controlling the north and one controlling the south, and they've got decent diplomatic relations. I don't really think anyone there is looking to immediately start shooting each other, but you know, time will tell.
0: So I'm curious because I know you mentioned you really. The wrecking crew really didn't care for solve or owning solve, so why? Like, what was the purpose? And I guess this goes way back then with fighting Pravi and taking over Pravi space, like Pravi block space.
1: Well, we didn't really take it over to be honest. What, what we basically did was we, and I think it was the April of 2020, we offered a non invasion pact, basically saying that we wouldn't go for Fortisars or larger. We wouldn't shoot, get junk gates. We wouldn't cloaky camp them. We wouldn't attack their sort of, and they declined it, basically told us to, to go screw ourselves. Meanwhile, they were cloaky camping a couple of our guys in the small number of systems that we did hold, and they just stepped it up. So we, we basically got to a point where it was, okay, well, you want to play that game. Let me show you how you actually play that game. And we, uh, we stepped up the aggression from RC and started taking attacking critical systems, mainly the ones that neighbored LOSAC. And the main purpose of that wasn't really to take the region. Obviously, you've got the Arton, the domain research and mining guys that are based in, in domain. A few is based in derelict. So the purpose really was to take the neighbouring systems to LOSAC and put jump bridges in, which allowed us to form centrally a lot quicker into, a, into our main staging in NOLSEC, which was YMP. And it just basically means that we could take gates to Norsec and then it, like one jump and we're, we're in that main staging. And it just meant we could get there with that jump fatigue and respond a lot quicker, either to counter hunting threats or to get there for timers that we created, that sort of thing. So there was never any intention to kind of take the region. That kind of snowballed and snowballed and we pulled off a few escalations on them and did a hell of a lot of damage to them. At, the, at that point, there was still a lot of people in CBA that thought that like RC was on the verge of collapse for, you know, would collapse within like two or three weeks. And then we kind of get to the, the end of June, July time, and uh, we dropped a Keepstar in YMP. And it was just after kind of the Vietnam War, World War B2, whatever you want to name it, had taken off. And RC had said that, you know, we would support Pappy and sent our Titans to Delve basically after we would, we'd got something else to do. So, what we did was, we got the blue standings. And at the time, CVA, their back phone was Test and, and Legacy Coalition, which was obviously now blue to RC. And therefore, when we dropped the Keepstar in Provi, there wasn't anything they could do. And at the time, Provi thought we probably had, you know, 15, 20 capitals, supers, or what have you. And we put over 60 super caps on the fort to, to online that Keepstar. And it was at that point where no one in CVA or, Pro- or block anymore could deny that, realistically, they still existed in the region with, uh, with our permission. We, militarily, we had control and we could have taken the region if we wanted to. But it was that point that no one in block could deny that, that they weren't in charge anymore, regardless of who owned the space. There was a lot of infighting, a lot of drama, and eventually... The CBA guys made the decision to pull out of Provi entirely. They essentially abandoned the region after having accepted a NIP from us, which basically meant that we ended up not burning any of their stuff before, uh, before the region, uh, before they evacuated. I mean, we were still hunting them, but we weren't attacking structures, making timers, anything like that. We weren't cloaking camping or anymore. So they could have realistically continued to exist there, but they would have known that they, they weren't in control, like I say. I made the decision to evac, and then probably six weeks later, the space was just sitting there, still in CBA's hands, empty. So I think, like one Thursday night, we went and created solve timers across 52 different systems in Provi, both TCUs and iHubs, and then wiped them all when those timers came out and took the entire region in a single day. And then it was just divided up between whichever RC Alliance wanted to solve. And I mean, like, like I mentioned earlier, a few HTPR time didn't really particularly care for, for SOF, but we had a lot of other, a lot smaller alliances that kind of joined us where, you know, they come in with the traditional end game that Nullsec is where you want to be and it's, uh, you know, it's their end goal and they want to set up there. So we, uh, as a command team, the the content directional people in RC weren't particularly bothered about it. The, the actual leadership of each member alliance was very keen on moving into Provi. And uh, you know, we, we took the popular opinion, let said, Okay, yeah, go for it. We originally intended to leave a few systems open, but then there was always the risk that, you know, someone could come in and drop a IHOP and TCU, and make it a capital in a time zone that was completely like uncontestable for us, which, which would give us defensive problems. So we ended up just filling the gaps in the whole region and you know, fortifying it pretty much. So we ended up with, with SOV that we didn't really plan on having or controlling. And then that, uh, when, when Dread Bomb was a thing, and they decided to go and poke the empty Legacy space while Legacy was in Delve, ended up controlling a lot of catch as well. I mean, it did, ex- it did extend to Immensia and this during that war. As the kind of fire scooped up the Legacy refugees that came back from... The, the, the deployment from in, into T5Z. FIRE scoots up a hell of a lot of ex-legacy alliances and uh, used them to, to fill that space. At the time, SEDO wanted to go for a, a war against FIRE and they're kind of five times our size, so it was never going to end particularly well. We knew we wouldn't be able to hold immense or Tenerifeous anyway, so the plan would have just been to concede that, fall back to catch. But uh, due to kind of certain people going inactive, during the course of that campaign, it literally fell very quickly and um, ended up being a case of uh, we were just to hold the line and catch, and we did that kind of from, from then, and then bomb collapsed, and we continued to hold the line and catch, and, and FIRE was never able to make any process beyond it. And that wasn't really kind of a lack of effort on their part. It was more a uh, just simply due, geographically it's, catch is not viable to assault when you're staged in debtorage, right? It's just not, it's not practical. It's just too far to do, no, no capital superiority. All right. Uh, yeah, like I say, we, it ended up building kind of a, a, a fortress in Pravi and then kind of an extension to that in catch in the long term.
0: Yeah, so you kind of walked through the taking of Pravi. You mentioned, so I know at the start of this, you mentioned you the original Wrecking Crew alliances are going back to their roots, but you picked up a lot of alliances on the way. Was that them seeking you out or you seeking them out? Like, what, how did Wrecking Crew really grow from more than just a ragtag bunch of friends hunting supers?
1: A number of the initial alliances were people that were either in Provi or were ex-provy members that really weren't happy with the way they'd been treated, or they, uh, and others simply just came because it was kind of flavor of the month. You know, we were getting good content, getting decent fights. And it was a case of, oh, you know, I want to be involved in that content. So they came and joined us and flew with us. I mean, we had all sorts of people at the time. You know, you'd see kind of Shadow Cartel show up every now and again. Seed Green was flying with us on and off. Waffles was also in the area at the time and kind of doing a lot of the spearheading on the SD front. Templars Castle have joined us probably six months before the Provi invasion mm-hmm. happened and started getting involved in content. And the, the, the last Spartan, as you're probably familiar with, as, a, as an AT captain, and an AT pilot did a lot of FCEing for us and kind of has done ever since. But it just really snowballed because of the content that was yeah. happening. It was somewhere that people wanted to be involved. And those that didn't come from that direction literally came from Provi itself. I mean, at one point, there was an alliance in Provi, and uh, we got one of Amar uh, Faction Warfare Corps into the alliance. So it, it looked like a genuine Faction Warfare corp. Obviously, as soon as we got the corp into Provi block, we kicked everyone that wasn't us and then just filled it with our spies. There was like a whole corporation in probably block that was just us, which was kind of absurd because, you know, they convert the CEO and be like, oh, this guy looks like a spy. You need to kick him. And the CEO would be like, okay, I'll kick him. And then he gets kicked and then you just put another character in and the cycle continues.
0: righty, I got gotcha. you. Sorry. My cat's been distracting me. She wants attention. So you have all these groups that join. When the decision was made to leave, were any of them like, no, we want to stay, like we want to move back to low with you guys. Or is everyone kind of, on board with it?
1: Generally, the, the reaction was pretty, uh, pretty positive because the amount of kind of work and time it takes to lead a defensive campaign like the ones we've endured against both fire and sometimes Horde got involved and helped them as well. We fought off Snuff a few times. NSH attacked us as well. More recently, Deepwater Hooligans. To go through all of those and it all come down to you is... Very very stressful and very time-consuming. And it just kind of makes you see that if these alliances are in those situations now, then there's no point giving it another six months because they've had two years to not be in that shape of relative peacetime. And they're still the same way. So it it, it really kind of... The, 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 the alliance leaderships took it very, very well, to be honest, and they all understood the decision. They were surprised that I hadn't kind of thrown my arms up in there said what the hell and, and done it earlier but I, I don't think from certainly any of the leadership members i've spoken to and, and, and some of the line members that, that i've managed to reach generally it's been pretty positive a couple of the alliances have, have merged particular corps into view HDP and Arton and selected members but as i mentioned as I said in the original ping if it, you know, if, if they were people that had just kind of sat there and twiddled their thumbs while the coalition was defending its assets, then it wasn't someone that we would entertain joining us. But, yeah, like I say, it was taken pretty well, to be honest. No one's, no one's held it against me. Generally, a lot of people are seeing it as a fresh start for their alliances and kind of a reset button and, you know, time to do or die and stand on their own. But we'll, we'll see how, how they go moving forward. But generally few is just looking looking forward to not having the weight of carrying the coalition on its shoulders from a leadership perspective because it has impacted my own alliance as well with, with both myself and my directors taking so much time to do RC things and jumping through hoops and bending over backwards to help.
0: Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I know Eve has a second job is always kind of a meme, but has some basis in reality with the work alliance leaders at least put in. Do you want to talk a bit about, I know you mentioned going from Pravi, and we talked a bit about the offensive taking Pravi. Do you want to talk a bit about some of the defensive wars you've been fighting? I've heard a lot of stuff from Deepwater Hooligans, but I don't really know how much of that is spin versus smack talk and whatnot. And as well as as like Snuff, I didn't really realize you guys were defending against Snuff.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I'll I'll, I'll stick with the most recent defensive campaign because I think Snuff has attacked us two or three times. NSH did the same thing. And, uh, you know, some, with varying success, NSH completely just fell on its face the moment they got down anywhere near us. I think they were two mids out before they collapsed and went home to kind of get back under Fratzika. But the deep water campaign started with them reinforcing structures in the faction warfare area. And that was in, in Lamar. So a couple of jumps out of Lamar Marque. We have a star in, in, in Lamar. And there was a, a of Fort anchored just off it that was just kind of a staging fort just in case it ever got rf'd the keep ever got rf'd they shot it a few times and the first couple of times were you know maximum carriers we sent like 100 carriers up there and they just looked at it and was like no and stood down in the kind of later the next couple of weeks it was a case of well there's no point literally going all out on and max forming for every armor timer because they're just going to reinforce it over and over again on blue ball. So we stopped defending the armor timers and started defending whole timers. In the interim, there was a couple of times where they started to drop Astras and, and that that lot off our keep. So when they coincided with like an armor timer or a whole timer on the fort, then we'd go and shoot them as well. But otherwise, we, we largely let them go uncontested. The first real fight we had in that in that conflict was in Lamar. We kind of had a discussion in in our director chat. First, That was like, okay, it's a fort. It's not being refit. Full combat effectiveness. Don't bleed more than the fort is worth trying to save it. So it was a case to drop a couple of facts, take foams and expect them to bring tempest speed issues. Now, generally, their counter to anything missile-based is to firewall, which is pretty sensible, and it, it's very, very effective. Um, so the plan essentially was to bait them into the Fort Azar's dock range, not just tether range at zero meters, but within 10K, because you'll, you'll tether 10K off a structure, bait them within zero so that you couldn't activate smart bombs, so it would prevent the firewall from being effective at all. So I kind of said, you know, guys, have you got this or do I need to alarm clock for the third time this week at two in the morning? And they said, no, no, we've got it. We've, we, we know what we're going to do. And then I woke up in the morning to like 300 billion dread losses. And it turns out that the guy i it had decided to screw it. We, we just want the fight. And that kind of, for me, it wasn't the fact that we lost the fight that frustrated me. It was just very much the fact that it put blood in the water. We knew that that was the kind of fight that D Water would be looking for, and a number of their allies would too. So, you know, I said, "Okay, great. You may have wanted the fight; the guys may have enjoyed it, even losing three to one in the escort, despite having roughly even numbers." But strategically, it's a gigantic mistake. And the other thing that it did as well was, we knew that we had roughly even numbers of dreads with theirs, but when it when it comes to kind of dread for dread, it doesn't really match up because. You have an alliance like Deepwater that individually they've got, I mean, I won't say they're very competent. Some of their players are kind of, as with every other alliance, decidedly average, but the kind of core network of, of the core network of guys there know what they're doing. And the entire alliance has like at least mid-grade amulet sets and things like that. So when you're looking at kind of a Nullsec based, largely NullSec based coalition that mostly doesn't have amulets and you're putting those dreads against the same number of amuleted dreads, it just doesn't stack up. You know, you're gonna die faster, you have your DPS on field for lesser lesser amount of time. So getting into a dread flight was never something that we we were interested in and should have avoided at all costs. Uh, And that was the kind of agreement from the get-go. And that happened a couple of more times before I just turned around and said, okay, no more, under any circumstance, it doesn't happen. But that was kind of very early on. And when it became clear that consistently we would not be able to, we could contest them and win at max form, that wouldn't be an issue. But you don't want to be max forming every night, every time they create a timer. So we decided that we'd kind of stagger ourselves, let some of the structures go uncontested, largely only contest whole timers, if anything, and go and, you know, bleed some structures, let some die, anything small, Athenor, or Astras, we didn't defend. Some of the forts that weren't properly fit, we didn't defend them either. Uh, the rest of them, we uh, refitted or anchored anything that was unnecessary, kind of kind of low hanging fruit in LOSEC, because this was all in LOSEC at this point, and then swapped all our timers to EU. And we knew that would carry the risk of Snuff deploying against us, because the, 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 the issue is that SNOF will not alarm clock to USTZ. Or, you know, sensibly, they don't want to have to alarm clock every night to then have a difficult fight with, with a ridiculous amount of numbers, which isn't necessarily in their interest. So we retimed it to EU, knowing that snuff deploying was a possibility, and then deliberately made things as annoying as possible for them by doing things like when we fought them, we'd you know have a POS that was sitting on grid, and we would warp supers over to it, with leave the fighters on the fort, and then sit the supers on the POS force field, and then just skynet their Facts and stuff to death. We started loading stand-up shadows into our Fortisars and volleying their, uh, their long-range dreads, things like that, and just made it really annoying to fight And at any time it looked like. I mean, the, the, they formed with whatever, they, whatever snuff had, and they're not in a great position at the moment because of the whole kind of Russia-Ukraine thing affecting their numbers and a lot of their members' kind of personal lives. So they don't have a tremendous amount of numbers at the moment, but they had uh, the Lightning Squad which have been flying with them fairly consistently, and whatever Boltron's group is called, Hidden Leaf Ninja, or something or other. Yeah. I mean, so they were forming probably 150 dudes, 200 dudes against us combined. We were forming about the same on our own, but uh, again, it just, you know, they kind of outship us and outbling us in kind of our line member, member doctrine. So it wasn't really viable to fight them very often. We fought them, I think, twice came out relatively isk even on both battle reports and by that time we pretty much anchored all of our structures and snuffed sat there uh, twiddling its thumbs they did manage to get kind of two high value kills so one was a refining tatara that was in fast a couple of jobs out of kamal and another was the satoyo that was on the same grid with it so the satoyo timer was was interesting because fire showed up as well much to the disgust of pretty much everyone else involved. The kind of look was that it you know, it had been orchestrated between fire and deep water, but that really wasn't the case. They just knew about the timer and showed up and pretty much blue balled the rest of the fight and prevented people staying on grid. Amusingly, we had, it's Kamal spelt with a C, by the way, I'm just looking at the, the stream.
0: Yeah, um, I typed it too. Like a so. like,
1: like camel, but with two A's. <laughs> But uh, the the Satoyo timer was, was kind of funny because, you know, they were saying, Oh, we're gonna get this ten bill core through you guys but we'd had a rock cloaked off that Toyo for like four hours and then as soon as it popped we decloaked the rock, scooped the core and jumped out. And we also did that to the C B four Sigmaid as well. One of the few guys again had his rock cloaked on grid, decloaked, scooped the thirty bill core and left. So it was just kind of like be as, as annoying as you possibly can which was uh, worked fairly efficiently and snuff eventually left because uh, deep water did not want to put their supers on the same grid as snuff which is understandable and uh, obviously meant that they couldn't really shoot anything that we hadn't already unanchored without taking significant loss in the process so there was a general kind of frustration there and also kind of a lack of where do we go next so snuff went home at the same time it kind of the, the timing on the sotoyo had some consequences for us internally so on the 25th of November we saw a few sold one of the forts that borders Mencia to sigma and the idea that we that we had basically was to keep anything that was kind of provi and northern catch Effectively, have that t- timed to EU because we knew that Snuff wasn't really interested in going to Northsec anyway. It wasn't their forte. Deepwater was, but we also couldn't time anything EU that was close to fire because they will outform, They will form, They would form two, four fleets against us, and we could form maybe one hundred and fifty guys. So the decision was made to keep it a US time zone for the for the far southern stuff. So when that fort flipped over, it was due to flip over on the 29th EU time zone. But the intent was to cancel it and just keep it US, so that fire wouldn't bother hitting it, and Deepwater couldn't hit it anywhere from, from anyway from where they were staying. So it wasn't really the threat. But they forgot to, they forgot to retime it, so it did flip on the 29th. And the armour timer for this, so what we had was we were busy defending the Satoyo against fire, Satoyo yeah. against Snuff and friends, and then. At the same time, FIRE went and reinforced the fort in QTAC-S, which was unfortunate because the Sigma leadership guys effectively panicked and assumed that FIRE and Deepwater were working together to go and, like, the Sigma into catch and trap them and, like, knock out their assets and that sort of thing. But realistically, that wasn't the case. There was no coordination between Deepwater and... and, uh, Fire in in that capacity. So they very much kind of put two two, two and two together, made five, jammed on their tinfoil hats, and went running to Imperium, which left us in an interesting position. Obviously, we changed our timers to EU. Only US presence really in bulk was Sigma anyway, whereas our EU was largely intact. So we kept our EU timers, stripped all of the stuff that we didn't want, that we didn't need to have in space. I think we scooped probably. In the course of two weeks, we scooped, I think it was like 26, 26 forts, 15 or so Astras and like 19 Athanors. So you're looking at four or 500 bill plus in unnecessary structures that we scooped on that just to kind of mean that, okay, well, you've shot everything that you're going to shoot. Anything that you can shoot now is in time zone that sucks for you and you form like five guys. And anything that was going to take longer to time has now been unanchored. So there was really no road left to tread for deep water in their deployment. So they moved to, they moved back to kind of Camella area over the new year over the holidays, and they're probably planning to go somewhere else where they could find USD, USDC content moving forward. And then Sigma rolled all the way over to Paragonsol and are now living there. So I see kind of was a lot smaller after this conflict than it was before. You'd probably, I think Signal probably would have put about 40%, 30, 40% of people and athletes like historically, but when you look at the kind of forms that we were, that we were doing, you know, probably from mid November onwards, Signal wasn't really present anyway. So the wheels were turning in the background, generally going in that direction. I don't think that the kind of jump ship at the time and the stated reasons that were given were really justified. And there was probably an element of panic there as well, but also kind of a long-term planning had been on their kind of books for, for a fair while to do so. But interestingly, that, that kind of relationship between Sigma and Imperium causes problems because obviously a few and kind of the, the original RC groups have always been PanFam aligned. So we had a large proportion of the old guard dudes PanFam aligned and the Sigma guys Imperium aligned. So we couldn't really call Imperium because they said, oh, you know, the old guard guys are with PanFam. And then we couldn't call PanFam because they said, oh, no, Sigma's friendly within it and, and whoever else. So it kind of left us in a place where, like, we needed the support and there was, uh, there was, no, uh, there was no real place that we could we could source help from other than smaller alliances, which we did. I mean we built like four or five hundred battleships of each type that we needed for doctrines and just literally were able to hand them out. So great, you've got ninety dudes sent to us, dock in a shuttle, here's a free typhoon. If it blow if it blows up, that sucks, whatever. If it doesn't blow up, give it us back. And we just ran things like that with caches for a fair while.
0: I will say after participating in a lot of these large wars, it's actually refreshing to see some of these smaller groups just work with other smaller groups. I'd say fire is probably an exception there, but it's nice seeing all these small groups. That like I really haven't heard of a lot of these alliances and whatnot working together to fight and have fun, or what looks like having fun. looks like a lot of fun fights um, we, at least. We
1: have um, kind of... I mean, NC sent the contingent down a fair few times. Shadow Cartel, scary wormhole people, no forks given pretty much anyone that Deepwater had annoyed in the prior six months and then coming our way.
0: That's, that's pretty nice, though. Make a lot of enemies and then they all turn up against you.
1: I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's happened before. I mean, low-sec Voltron and, and whatever has, has formed to, uh, to shoot Snuff when Snuff goes and bashes people. You know, it's, uh, it's just one of those, really. And we, we kind of always have, even though we got fairly big at one point, we kept ourselves to ourselves and didn't really get involved in the kind of because we could have gone and trampled all over Losec if we wanted to, but we didn't think that was a good idea for the content in the area. So we just kind of like had a mutual agreement to leave them to it and then go and kind of defend them if snuff, if snuff hit them, which we did on a number of occasions, to be fair. We probably will do in the future, but we'll see how things go.
0: So what does the future of Wrecking Crew look like then? You guys move back to Losec, kind of have still some space in Pravi that you really don't want? What are, what are the next steps or what, are, what do you see for, as the future?
1: Well, for us, at the, I mean, initially it's R&R because of the and kind of restructuring, rebuilding, we're already in the process of kind of like modifying our auth and moving back from mumble to TS because we don't need any longer need more than kind of five, four or 500 slots, you know, simple things like that. But generally it's kind of back to the super hunting, like pretty much permanent thing that we've already, always done like wormhole diving and going whaling things like that but the other thing is that because we don't have this kind of sway the space responsible for defending anymore there's a lot less need to, for us to be t- uh, tied down and have kind of diplomatic re- relations with larger neighbors because like okay if you if you want to go to Provi and you want to take four systems that we happen to still hold and we don't really care about then go for it right but it just means that we've got a lot less to lose now and in a lot of in a lot of kind of the Provi and in, in our own alliance, to be fair, there was a hell of a lot of structures that were entirely unnecessary, like didn't need to be there, but had just been either given to us or had been placed there for one, region or one reason or another over the years and it just never got pulled down. So we, uh, we pulled all that down. We, we, we don't represent, we don't have such a big target profile now, so it means we can be a lot more aggressive in the plays that we make. Historically, you know, we used to kind of jump around and do bait ops and, you know, everyone throw their crap in their carriers and take a few mids and go and run somewhere else for a few weeks. And we can certainly do that now. So the freedom to do that and not be kind of always looking over our shoulder about what's going on in Provi is uh, is refreshing.
0: That's good. That's good to hear. Speaking of Pravi, do you know what the current status is in Pravi? Somebody in chat pointed out, apparently CVA took a system. Are they coming back?
1: Yeah, CVA took a system, but from what I understand, it's a TCU, which is pretty much entirely as relevant as if they'd never done it in the first place. So I wouldn't consider that like a thing. Like, realistically, CVA is like three dudes which have been like dragging, been dragged around by Triumvirate for the last, God knows how long. So, realistically, I don't think that there's any possibility that that's going to be a thing. I mean, fine, if they want to move in, sure, I don't care more people to shoot but i mean self alliance is is one of the groups that kind of has come in and taken a night hop and you've got a structure in one of the systems that we're going to be selling to them that sort of thing but again it's just one of those agreements with them where you know they had the existing the existing rc alliances that were in there we said that we weren't going to go invade them the same kind of applies to them there's an alliance called wild geese something or other they took a couple of systems, I think, in, in the, the old coalition Hispania pocket, and well, I mean, I wasn't, we weren't exactly sure who they are, but they were ex, their ex, most of them are ex Gunwafer and uh, they had a fight, I think, in in that pocket a couple of days ago. With the staff there and ADS fought them, which is Deep Space Alliance, primarily Chinese time zone and they fought these Wild Geese guys, and they did, like, 25-billion damage, and I think they lost, like, one Nightmare or something like that and a couple of command ships. So those Wild Geese guys, I don't really think that they're going to be there very long, just because of the, the fact that the alliances that are in the area, whilst they aren't, like, super heavy, they realistically don't have the staying power to do anything against them.
0: Yeah, I... I remember them from when, back when I played Eve Echoes, but I don't know if that's the same group. But if it is, I'm really excited. If it is the same group, I'm really excited because I feel like they can, they'll eventually get there, like to being a good good group, a good group to fly with and fight with. But I don't know if it's the same group. I don't think it is.
1: Well, I think what we have to keep in mind is that the the XRC alliances are all kind of very familiar with each other and, you know, the, if anyone else comes in that's causing them problems, they probably will band together and go for it, right? So, yeah, I mean, there's the whole thing about, you know, RC is like fractures and weak. None of those are like, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're not kind of capable of contending with fire or someone like that. But like, if you show up with like a tiny man gang, then you're going to get your shit pushed in. So, It's not it's not really kind of they're so weak, they're falling over, they're collapsing. The alliances are stable. And I mean, we made the decision to kind of do the reset like early December, but also made this decision at the same time so that we would delay doing it to give people some time off after Deepwater went left the area and just some time to rest up over the over the new year.
0: All right. That's I mean, that's good to hear rather than like. I've seen a lot of news of like coalitions falling apart and alliances falling apart, which essentially means people just leaving the game, right? Because as these groups kind of disband, people leave because of social, mostly for social reasons. We've talked a bit about FIRE and with you mentioned the news in the last 24 hours. So we know PanFam and some of Imperium are going to war with FIRE. Are you guys going to participate in that at all?
1: I mean, we really have no interest in it, but it is kind of funny to us. I mean, a, a few weeks ago... One of their FCs sent out a, a ping that was basically like, congratulations, we've seen off like two neighbours and punished them for their past transgressions and all this sort of stuff. And it, they were referring to RMC, so Red Menace Coalition and then Cockroach Coalition and RC. And the funny part is they basically had nothing to do with either because... Fire was just feeding gloriously to Imperium and RMC. And then Horde showed up and saved them, which is the deployment that Goblins was talking about when you, kind of, when you read the kind of rhetoric of the last few days. And without that, they would have just fell on their face there and then. So the whole kind of, yeah, we, we really showed them, it's like, great, well, no, what actually happened is Horde came and babysat you until they were no longer a threat and couldn't contest. And then you just dealt with what was left great. And then, obviously, the other thing is that they're, they're happy that they've seen off Sigma, but Sigma leaving had very little to do with Fire, and it was largely because of the the state that R.C. was in and similarly to the kind of heavy hitter alliances that remained in R.C., they didn't want to continue the way that we were and had long-term plans to join the Imperium anyway. And, importantly, every time like Fire came to try and contest us in USTZ, Normally in catch, what they'd basically do is they'd get there, realize they couldn't take the fight, bounce safes for about 25 minutes until Horde showed up, and then Horde and and Fire would both shoot us. So, like, it's a bit kind of Kool-Aid-ish that they, they felt that they'd seen off their two kind of close rivals because they never really had anything to do with the position that they ended up in from either of those two scenarios, but they did a lot of crowing about it which basically, you know, them them hitting us and them hitting RMC is exactly what Goblins has been looking at in terms of, you know, going after smaller alliances. And they'll say, yeah, we're a group of small alliances. But, like, I mean, pretty much if you open the, if you go to your court menu, go to the alliances tab and then click rankings, a lot of them are fire, right? You get the whole list of all the alliances. Their, their list of alliances is ridiculous. I think they've got more. More, more people and more alliances in their coalition, and I've got members in my corp. Right, it's uh, it's a pretty ridiculous situation on their end, and they just took so many refugees after the Vietnam War that so now it's kind of like, well, you might be a collection of small alliances, but if you've got a large number of small alliances and you all act as one entity, then it's really inconsequential. So it's going to be interesting now for this war because Fire's going to get in a taste of their own medicine. Obviously, RC was stuck you know, literally goons based in catch and shooting fire in a Mencia and Tenorifice. We held catch himself and, and, and obviously neighboring Provi, and then Horde and, and, and fire and friends were all in the Mencia fighting back. So we got kind of caught in the crossfire a few times and ended up getting shot up and uh, a lot of the timers we couldn't contest. And now fire is going to get attacked from both directions as well. So what goes around comes around. And we will see the interesting part for RC in this is that fire's evac route will take them straight into RC hunting territory. So we're kind of like banging the pans in the background, waiting for them to come in our direction. And I don't know, maybe we'll stick stick our foot out and trip a few people.
0: That was going to be my next question of anticipating their evac, because I have heard that they don't intend to defend and that they're just going to evac. And so I was going to ask about catching them off guard and whatnot.
1: Well, it's something that we've already spoken to the people that are involved in this conflict anyway. We're actively tracking their entire super fleet regardless because, I mean, even, generally it's going to be stragglers that get caught unless we can pull something off with a dread cash that is somebody other than us. But, I mean, it, the, the kind of, you know, the, the Imperium and, and Horde are going to be watching it themselves anyway, but on our perspective it's going to be kind of catching people where they least expect it, wait for them to make a mistake, because we always do. I mean, in fairness, like, we, we already kill a large number of fire stuff because they generally go through our space to, to get to their own anyway. So if they buy something from, like, Amamaki or Masaba, they end up jumping through our sea space to, to get where they're going. And the number of, like, severance jump freighters that jump to our bait-free ports is ridiculous. I'm pretty sure they alone push the, fright, the, the, the price of arcs and Shars up. I don't think I've ever seen an alliance that consistently makes the same 15 billion mistake over and over and fails to learn from it.
0: I gotcha. That's actually hilarious. We do have a question in chat. I'm curious of your thoughts. Do you think that Pandemic Horde slash Imperium idea of making faithful ballas in a few regions for independence alliance is a good idea? I mean, I mean, I
1: like the idea, but I think as a few other people are aware, like getting to and from Faith unless you have a jump bridge network is, is no, no, no short ask. It's like it's a re- I think it's like eight or nine mids in the jump freighter from Jeta, for example. You have to go through several other Norseck regions to get there. So maybe... But, you know, those alliances are going to need some kind of agreement or highway to get into and out of that space. So probably faith isn't ideal, an ideal location for that. But generally, yeah, I mean, realistically, what they're going for is kind of what Provi is now in terms of those alliances being kind of small, independent and not held together by a coalition, kind of doing their own thing, coexisting. But, you know, that neighbours the domain, the neighbors derelict, it let neighbours Heist. It's got like three low sec entries, two high sec, so it's very well connected to to kind of mainline space. But faith that doesn't really apply for. So I, I agree definitely that it's healthy for the game and what they're trying to accomplish, but the location of it makes me doubt the practicality of it.
0: Yeah, that's the sentiment I've been hearing from a lot of others too, that why would you want to start a new alliance and go somewhere that you're just gonna make a lot of stress to try and build infrastructure in
1: yeah sure i mean like some systems in catch as well like when when sigma left catch they would literally just been abandoned and random alliances have taken the solve and they've not been contested yet so there's really no i don't, I don't think anyone really wants to kind of mess with that that, that space as such so the, the whole kind of the the, the space or the dc ticker on, on dotland is something that's remained there and has always been the same the green pocket that's on your screen there was used to be weapons of mass mass production, and they they merged into Sigma. So, kind of all of that, all of that space is, is now kind of Imperium aligned. But the the pockets to the kind of the right on the, on on Dotland and the North pockets, the pipe into Provi, is all held by random alliances that really don't really seem to have any alignment and just very kind of a neutral area right now and there's a few kind of ihubs reinforced there i think 1p is still held by nc dot and uh, the, the Tac y system is uh, pretty sure held by like maybe even big App still or some random
0: yeah those look much better I, I mean at least for someone like me where i'm like hey i want to go fight a random alliance that's not going to blob me i would definitely go into like catcher probably to find folks to fight
1: it's certainly more accessible. I mean, there is some discussion as well because the uh, the, the, the old station Freeport that's in 9U White, it was a Freeport while it was in private. Now isn't It's the Unity Station, which is the one that Ushra Khan took from CVA years and years ago. That's still around, still anchored. It's still armed. Now that obviously it's not a kind of primary concern for us in terms of controlling the region, there is a consideration there that we've Freeport it. But... It really depends on what the local alliances want. If they think that with, great, we'll do it. If not, then we kind of still gave our word that we wouldn't go out of our way to screw over those resident alliances. So it really is kind of their decision, but the bottom pushing is left to myself and Ashraf Khan, who, who really, who owned the station, more for kind of RP purposes than anything. And when we took probably, we didn't have a problem with that. So it flies under their flag. But there is that possibility there that it will be a free port kind of right in the middle of Provi, that will encourage small gang content and that sort of thing. But like I said, that's not set in stone. It's very much something that's up for discussion with the locals and not a button that we push unless they they agree that they want to go in that direction.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to slightly pause there and see if Artemis has any questions or if anyone in chat has any other questions. We're kind of coming up to the top of the hour. I think Artemis is good. I was trying to think of other news we had to cover. We touched a little bit on the war against fire. And then there's also, I mean, we have some AT ship kills. I don't know if we want to discuss those. Oh, Urshakan's actually on one of those. Nice.
1: You should really take your Christmas tree now, by the way.
0: I know. My cat likes it. <laughs> she likes the bulbs and stuff, and I figured I'd leave it for her. But, yeah. She also likes to eat it, which is really bad.
1: The two AT ships were killed were fairly interesting, I think. So the the... The Hydra kill is interesting because it's a guy that's very well known to have been flying around there for a very, very long time. And it's been very good at it, good at it, very difficult to kind of track down and hold. I think if I remember rightly, he's got a 10 AB on there. So, yeah, ridiculously hard to pin down. These guys have been tried to bait him a few times, managed to catch him and, and burned him down. So... Very impressive kill there and takes a lot of work to kind of go hunting there. And, uh, like I say, fairly impressive from them. Unfortunate to lose an AT ship as always, but uh, it's always uh, interesting to, to look at how they die. The, the Maraca kill struck me as being a bit odd because I don't think I've ever seen a Maraca fit that's like auto I've always assumed that people would like arty fit them and make use of the range control there. Or if you're going to go... If you're gonna go with autocannons, you probably want an AB on there so that you don't like get range controlled. But the autocannon fit was fairly interesting. I think the guy's been using it a fair bit. From what I understand, he was fighting like either an Inti and a frig, or like two frigs on the gate under gate guns, and then another guy came through the gate in another frig and tackled him, and then two omens appeared, and he was basically dead. And the Marac is one of those ships that it's a very very strong ship i mean it has the kind of like no so most cloaking devices even a co-ops one will have like four seconds recalibration delay before you can start locking anything this thing functions like a stealth armor so decloak you can immediately lock and you can immediately start shooting stuff so it's very very useful and i used to sit in kind of faction warfare plexes a lot and just like volley people coming in but the downside is it is very much a nano kite ship. So you can't really mount it so that it has a decent amount of staying power. This one's kind of like a hybrid fit between a buffer tank with an ASB, which you see there's a video of that around of, of him boosting and trying to rep, but it's, it's still not enough. And I mean, realistically, at the point where you get pinned down in this, in this specific kind of ship and the way that it's being fitted, you're not going to be staying there very long especially when you're kind of kiting stuff is built on damage mitigation for you staying alive and then you've taken sentry guns which will apply to freaks so you know that's 300 dps that you're going to take it is going to perfectly apply no matter what and then obviously the two cruisers as well you just melt you get other other at ships like the laylaps the Fiends, the you know the, the uh, and various others that will tank fairly well if they if they do get tackled. The Hicks are just ridiculously overpowered, but the the older ones don't really have that ability. But like I say, the, I mean the really strange thing for for me on this one was that a the guy wasn't in a plex, and uh, and b the fact that he's auto cannon kind of fit because it's a very strange way of fitting a Maraca. Normally you go arty and then use your range webs as range control and then try and run away as fast as possible if something scary appears. But from what I understand, this guy was fighting on a gate and then the, the Friggs had tackled and jumped into him, so he didn't really have any notice and was distracted by trying to screen one of the Friggs that was already on grid. So an interesting kill there as well. Like I say, probably not the way I would fit a Maraca, but uh, nonetheless.
0: Yeah, it's as much as I love seeing AT ships fly, it's always fun to see them die too. We are at the top of the hour. Artemis does not have any questions for you. Chat wants to talk about... We didn't even talk about Seto warping his Titans to a gate. Is there a story there, or is that Seto just being dumb?
1: Well, I mean, I think that is the story, is the the simplest way to put it. I mean, we, we've seen this before in a lot of con- contexts where you get, like, certainly Seto, well, things will go really well for a while, and they won't think there's any threat, and then suddenly... Like you get into the hubris mode and you do something really dumb like jumping your Titans to an Athenor or jumping them to a four and then warping them to 100 clicks off a gate with neutrals and local that you know are like RC hunters and dictors. It was kind of odd because I think they, they put their Titans next door for some reason and they were cloaked in system and they signed back into their staging fort and a few of them bumped off. I wasn't there for this one. It was like, probably like half five in the morning, my time. And they, I think from, from what the guy said, there was a Ragnarok that bumped off the that bumped off each other. And the two, ty- the, the two avatars were apparently, as far as I'm aware, still in tether range. But the Ragnarok walked off to the gate at 100 clicks to ping off and come back. So my guys were scrambling to tackle the guy and then missed him. And then the two avatars, for some reason, landed on the gate as well. So he, the two avatars got bald, they both, they both died, and unlike their previous stages, this one was in Noltec, which meant that they'd, had, they'd got basically all of their facts were like in-system, and even the ones that weren't. We had the, an inhib up, and the titans were moving, so they couldn't track the inhib. And then they had the choice of like basically panic and try and jump jump, Sino them in at stupid range or try and warp the facts off the fort to kill the to rep the titans but they were getting defensive bubbled so pretty much all of those caps that you see on their side of the battle report only two of them were actually the ones that were tackled at the start everything else kind of walked in after as those two titans were dying or after they were dead so it was quite kind of amusing to see that happen and that was the kind of the last thing that they achieved in their campaign like feeding 300 billion titans which is very much trademark RC in terms of like, oh, we might have lost a load of fights, but minus two Titans for you, smiley face. I mean, you can look at all the battle reports and obviously RC comes out over the course of the three months a hell of a lot worse in terms of like it's killed versus lost, but we still win 2-0 on supers.
0: Yeah, that's, that's actually kind of hilarious into all of this. It's also, I feel like it's fitting just for you guys hunting things too. Even though I guess this was just playing off of people being dumb rather than hunting.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, it, we, we, we'd been waiting for an opportunity for a long time, but really we knew that like in Low state because you could just walk fax around, it wasn't really too viable to actually pull something off. But like, when they were in null state, there was other stuff that we could have done. Like, we had a load of hicks logged off on their fort, so we could have tackled their cat, their supers literally anywhere we wanted and then just logged in all of the hicks and just put bubbles up all over the fort, and then they'd have to sit there and kill 15 hicks before they could jump in a single fax off their fort you can't do that in in low step because they just undock, they're tellered and they jump right but you if you got like 15 hicks like with 100 mnabs burning around your undock then you're going to have to find a way to kill them before you can jump any facts to your tackled supers but you know we never we we were actually probing in the system they were close we had observatories out but they jumped back and then we got the kills in their staging anyway so I'm not really too picky on where we kill them, but quite happy that we managed to get those frags.
0: Yeah, it's all good. So, we are at, kind of at the end of the show. I don't know if you have any final thoughts. We appreciate you coming out here and talking about the history of RC and kind of what the future looks like.
1: No, I'm just uh, I'm just fairly optimistic now that I don't have to babysit 1500 dudes. To be honest, I'm kind of done. I have my own to worry about now, so
0: <laughs> no more uh, herding cats
1: He's probably more competent than, than most i've had to deal with so kind of a fills me with pride from one respect means my genetics are fairly good but also means that i've been putting myself through hell for the last two years so that's now over so very much looking forward to what 2023 brings
0: no oh, that's good to hear do you have any shout outs for the friends back home or viewers or anything like that
1: a shout-out basically to everyone in RC that's kind of flown, flown alongside us and the, the, the non-fair weather friends, the guys that were still here and, and alive and fighting and forming as, as Deepwater departed. Not so much to those guys that, that ran away during the conflict or left and went to places with better weather. But certainly for, for the few guys as well obviously they've put up with a situation they didn't want to be in for a very long time so now it's time to give them to tlc
0: nice well thank you we super appreciate you coming out and joining us thank you to twitch chat with that i'll let artemis run the credits and we will see you all later